0: But can't wait. Uh, we're, we're heading down to McAdish, which is just a short drive for us from the Chateau tomorrow and uh, get this very memorable weekend underway. I've been, you know, a part of um, Hall of Fame festivities for a number of years uh, with proximity being so close. And there was a period of time when we actually held the ceremony up here uh, while the, uh, the new museum and Hall of Fame was being built. But uh, this is the first time that I've been, uh, you know, a, a focus of some attention. And um, it's uh, it's humbling, especially uh, the new award, the fact that they've put together this uh, first time and only time for at least, uh, you know, I've been joking with some of the, um, the sports writers that helped put this thing together along with uh, – uh, Doug Ireland and, um, and Ronnie Rance. that this this is the first time they've given an ambassador award. So I'm the uh, inaugural version. Tell me that until another um, uh, Tim Brando, I guess uh, Tim Brando 2.0 will be the next recipient whenever he shows up.
1: That might be <laughs> so a while. Uh, it, it might be a while, Tim. Uh, you know, I, who knows? You know, who knows?
0: <laughs> but it's uh, that's the part of it that's um, that really gets to me because – Uh, if you read the definition of uh, the ambassador award, it's almost like, um, uh, you know, my, my career in a nutshell, really in a lot of ways and the way I've always felt about my home state, certainly people that know me well feel that way. And, um, you know, we made a point of staying here. You know, I live here, I live here by choice. Uh, we could live anywhere, but my, my wife is a local girl and, um, I wanted her to be able to raise her children in Louisiana the way I, you know, as close to the way we were raised as possible. It's it's tough in this day and time, but I will tell you, with daughters thirty one and thirty eight, each of whom have uh, given us two great uh, grandkids, so we've got four. They'll all be there, uh, so we'll all be together. It's uh, it's it's wonderful. Um, I had I'd had actually told them that. Um, you know the the two awards that I would be in the past considered for were the Distinguished Journalist and the um, and the Dave Dixon Award and and I had told them you know I'm 65 but there are a lot of broadcasters a lot of sportscasters that have been doing their teens in this state for 40 50 years you know and some of them may be older than me and 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 I feel like I've got a lot of tread left on my tires and maybe part of it was my fear of being. Uh, called a hall of Fam- uh called being called hall of famer meant your your twilight of your career was right upon you and um yeah i've been at it a long time but i plan on being at it a long time too you know i still believe uh that i've got my best shows in front of me and i'll be starting my eighth year at fox this fall and um but yeah it's 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 in a lot of ways it's time and uh, but they they created this new award and um and that made it just um, such a blessing and uh, so gratifying. So um, I'm thrilled about it.
1: Tim Brando, mm-hmm. our guest, ESPN 1420, he is going into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame this weekend. And, um, Tim, you, you've been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you're old, it just means you're older. It means you've been you've been doing it a while. But like you said, you know, when it's a former athlete going into the Hall of Fame, it means that their playing days are done. But in your case, you still got some time in front of you to, to keep calling games. And you've worked for CBS, for Raycom, for Sirius, for ESPN. You've called games of just across the board. Looking back at your career to this point, what is the, like, what what's the sport that you enjoyed the most? And the follow up to that is is there a singular game that stands out to you more than another that was the most enjoyable to call during your long and illustrious career?
0: Well, you know you 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 know you left out Turner. I spent three years with Turner, <clears throat> and that was uh, sort of a career hiccup period. It is overlooked quite a bit. It was the period between ESPN and CBS between 1994 and 96. And I, I got a World Series ring then.
1: There you That's, go, with the Braves, I mean, right? That.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, with the Braves. And and I did the Hawks, uh, and I did the NBA playoffs. In fact, I was the uh, original host of Inside the NBA, believe it or not. That's sort of a trivia question that people could forget easily. But Ernie Johnson was busy doing goodwill games and other things, and they needed somebody to host the show late at night. And I, I did it. And uh, Ernie... Ernie Sr., his father, and I worked Braves games together, um, you know, during the time when they were winning uh, a World Series championship. So uh, that was pretty amazing to be a part of all that. Um, my, my passion for college football and college basketball runs deep, though, and I, I think the years for me, I'm probably most associated, certainly locally and regionally in this part of the country with the SEC on CBS, in the studio role that I had, that extended my visibility a great deal, and um, and I also called a lot of games there too, both NFL and college football, uh, and the NCAA tournament and the Masters digitally. So it was um, it was tremendous. It's hard to pick one. As far as the sports go, my passion for football and basketball at the collegiate level, I think, is um, is noticeable. And so I, I certainly am endeared to those two sports. Um, I, I'd say working with Al McGuire in 1998 in the NCAA tournament and doing uh, you know, the, the, the regional finals where the winning team went to the Final Four, that was as big a deal for me at the time as, as any. I was in my early 40s. I was working with an icon, Al was in the twilight of his career at that point, but I think he had a wonderful run. I, we, were, we were highly decorated and compliment, complimented, I think, by the, by the press that year. We also had some great games, and uh, Stanford came from six points down with 55 seconds left to beat Rhode Island. To go to the Final Four, I'll remember vividly um, the inbounds pass, the steal by Arthur Lee into the hands of Mark Madsen, the mad dog, who dunked it, got an and one. And shortly thereafter, Al McGuire is out dancing with the, the Stanford Tree with me out on, on the court. <laughs> and I'm like, "This is, is this heaven or, or, or what? You know, I was, I was really enjoying being with him because I'd grown up watching Al coach, you know, and also watched him with the great Dick Inberg and Billy Packer call Game, games on NBC when I was just starting out in Baton Rouge and uh, when, when Dale had his great teams. And I wanted to be with them, I wanted to be like them. Uh, so that was probably what I, I would say was the, the most magical time uh, I re- at a ball game I ever had.
1: I remember that game. So who was the who was the player for Stanford? They lifted him up, and he was just very stoic; like didn't even smile, just very serious after <laughs> that win.
0: <laughs> well, it wasn't Madsen. I wish I could remember. It was the other tall guy. They yeah. had two. They had two trees. He was a left-handed uh, blonde. I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, that was wild. But he, he was stoic. Uh, but but uh, but the two guys I remember most because of that play were Arthur Lee. Al was screaming, uh, you got a foul right away. You got a foul right away. And then as soon as he says foul right away the second time, Arthur Lee steals and I'm like, oh, Lee and the steal. Madsen counted the foul. <laughs> Placement wild. And um, – that that's that's just something that's going to be uh, remembered when you get to the museum and uh, and people have a chance to look at the video that was put together uh, of uh, it's like my, my career in four decades from local TV to Tiger Vision to all the other stuff you'll see that clip.
1: Tim Brando, our guest, ESPN 1420. Well, your friend Spencer Tillman will occasionally share videos on Twitter of you dancing. Uh, pre-game to music. So, who's, who's a better dancer, you or Mark Matson, or, or maybe, maybe I'm phrasing it wrong? No, no, no. Better, I, I've but... seen him dance. I right. saw,
0: I saw Matson. Matson's mm-hmm. great at being excited. Okay, there's a difference. <laughs> you know, he he was he was he was moving big after he made that slam. I, I, I'm the toe tapper for a reason. Uh I won dance co- dance contest when I was a kid. Hell, I don't, I don't know if my wife would have dated me if I couldn't have danced.
1: It's not even um, close. No, Mattson Mattson's the uh, worst yeah, dancer Spencer, ever. Yeah.
0: Spencer would tell you that uh that uh, that I might be the, uh, the the best uh dancer that's a white man he's ever seen. He he might tell you
1: that. <laughs> Tim Brando, our guest, Um, you you mentioned your love of college sports, college football and basketball in particular. So I got to ask you, while we have you, Tim, just what are your thoughts on um, the state of college sports as it pertains to name image likeness and the Supreme Court ruling two days ago and and what the the sport's going to look like here in, say, the next four to five years?
0: Well, I think people need to – not overreact and understand that these changes uh, are necessary uh, and, and need to happen. Uh, we're living in a different time, and we need to adjust and adapt to that time. The NCAA's archaic approach was slam dunked by the Supreme Court, uh, and, and unrightfully so. Uh, name, image, and likeness is not going to bury intercollegiate athletics. It's not going to ruin amateurism as we know it. Uh, kids will still be able to, and will still value those that want to value their education. They will do that, but it will allow for players to get some piece of the pie. They've not been getting any piece of the pie. Uh, and now they'll get some, and it won't be from the schools. It'll be from sponsors. It'll be the official sponsor of the college football playoff. Well, they will, the the official sponsors can pay them. So let them. Uh, And as it relates to a kid in college, let's say a a young man is playing well in a school like Northwestern State in Natchitoches, and the local uh, uh, car dealership there wants to have him do some commercials. Well, what's wrong with that? (laughs) If they wanted me to do the commercials, I could do them. Why why can't he? Uh, Cameo. Think about that. Cameo. Um, uh, How many many football players in the SEC – would would fans like to have them do a cameo for them, and let's say for they do a thirty second deal on their phones and they get forty nine ninety nine for it? What's wrong with that? <laughs> I mean, this is the world we're living in today, so I, I don't I don't uh, I don't have a problem with it at all. I do think the uh, proposed expansion of the college football playoff is going to give a boon to the sport big time. It's been uh, a process, the college football playoff. Uh, it's, it's, uh, exclusionary. It's, it's had the same four or five teams in every year. And by the way, if the same four or five teams win the championship, that's not a problem for me. I, if they're the best teams, you got to beat the best to be the best, but we need to allow teams like Cincinnati, like UCF Memphis that feel like they can a coastal Carolina. Um, why not give them their chance, uh, for those schools, just being in the process, being in the playoff or even winning a playoff game. Would be the, um, uh, it would be like Maryland Baltimore County beating Virginia in a 16 1 game in the NCAA tournament. Nobody thought that Maryland Baltimore County would make a run to win it all, but we'll never forget that game, will we? We never will. So college football is always stomped on Cinderella. Now we'll have one. And I think that's a really, really cool thing.
1: Will the committee? I, I feel like the committee is still going to do whatever it takes to make that as difficult as possible for those teams. Like there there will well, still be the bias them, within, no. you know.
0: Well, sure, and that's okay as long as the as long as we know that the uh, conference champions that are the top six are going to get in because you have five power conferences. One of those conferences. Uh, outside of the Power Five, is going to be a conference champion, and they'll be in. They'll be guaranteed being in. And we'll get rid of the status of P5 and Group of Five. You know, I I think that uh, it's derogatory to look at programs as being outside the big leagues. Okay, you're all Division I. Uh, The reason this is happening is because of revenue, and loss of revenue during the pandemic pushed it along, I think. Um, college football will make a lot more money. They've been living, leaving money on the table for years. We're talking about uh, a four, four times the amount it'll be worth. It'll be $1.9 to $2 billion, with a B dollars annually versus $660 million, I think, currently. So all that money distributed to the schools is really going to help because everyone took a bath last year. I mean, a big-time bath. Everyone was emerging money at every level. So uh, I think that that helped move this thing along.
1: Good stuff, Tim Brando, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned your family all being up there for uh, for the induction this weekend. Is uh, was there a part of you when you were being a you know uh, I, I guess uh, whether it be an MC or involved in some of these uh, sports Hall of Fame weekends in the past. Was there ever that party that said, "I want to be in a class one day"? Did you yeah. think about it? Yeah, like,
0: yeah, we, yeah, we had a, we had an event up here in Shreveport at, uh, at, um, the, 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 I want to say it was at one of the casinos here, and uh, they had me MC it, and uh, I looked out there and I saw it, it was a who's who of Louisiana sports, absolutely a who's who, and and I thought to myself, my God, this is incredible. Look at all the people here that I have been a part of my life since I grew up. And even this class that I'm a part of, I mean, I, I remember watching Lewis Dunbar play against Robert Parrish and Centenary and those guys uh, when I was a kid. And Parrish was just a couple of years ahead of me. Lewis Dunbar was one of the unbelievable talents at the, at the U of H that played, going back to that period when uh, Dwight Bo Lamar and Fred Saunders and, and – uh, Roy Ebron were playing at USL oh, yeah. in the early seventies. And Michael green went to Louisiana tech and they had those great teams in the mid seventies centenary had, uh, basically Woodlawn state championship team from 1973, which was playing, you know, that was when I was in high school and, um, Melvin Russell, Larry Davis, Robert Parrish. I mean, it was just, and th- those teams played right here in our hometown. And, uh, I'll never forget it. You know, the great Houston team that played in 68, uh, Elvin Hayes' bunch came in here and played at Hirsch Coliseum. I was a kid. I was only 12 years old. I'm seeing people like that, you know, out there. Billy Cannon was in the room that night. Um, Johnny Robinson, Alvin Dark, you know, just <laughs> – uh, it, it blew me away. And, uh, it, you know, we, we forget how much, how much star power we have per capita in Louisiana. We always have. We always will.
1: Well, you've done a good job of uh, trying to help us not forget. You've always repped the state wherever you've been. I mean, it's true. I mean, it's it's what you said when, when we got started. You know, you've always proudly repped uh, where you're from and, um, you know, a lot of traveling. So uh, speaking of, final question, Tim. I think, yeah. I don't know, that, I, I doubt you've done this, you know, your, your entire career. I, I, I don't think you have. But at this point in your career, you you guys drive to each to each city that you're doing broadcast in? Is that correct, or was that more of just a last year type of thing because of the pandemic?
0: Oh, that was basically yeah, COVID related. Okay, uh, I, and I drove and I drove because we were in the Big Twelve. I, I generally do Big Ten uh, more so than the Big Twelve, but last year because of COVID, I think they felt like um, they were going to be doing so many games from the studio from LA. But Spencer and I are in the middle of the country. He lives in Sugarland, Texas. I live in Shreveport. Why, why wouldn't they put us in a position where we could drive? And I was so thankful that we were doing games, you know, uh, from the site. I did not want to be in a basement or attic of my home. You know, I just didn't. And um, so all but uh, last year, I only had to go to a, on an airplane three times. And, and finally, the last time, when we did the Mountain West championship in Vegas, that's when I was diagnosed with COVID the the Monday after that game. So I think I dodged the uh, virus much of the year because I I didn't fly. I really believe that.
1: Tim Brando has been our guest. Well, a lot of traveling miles uh, during your career, man, but I know it's a short drive for you this weekend. Uh, All the best. Enjoy the weekend. Congratulations on the Hall of Fame. Thanks for coming on this show a few times every year, man. I know the audience likes to hear from you. Usually we're talking – college sports or something, but um, today it was a little bit more about you, but that's that's kind of what happens this week, and it's about the inductees, and congrats on all the success, man, and uh, we look forward to seeing you more in the future.
0: Well, thank you. Uh, at least I can remember a, a, a few things about me. You know, I guess, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I, I, uh, I really do, and I'm looking forward to it greatly. Thank you a lot. All the
1: best, Tim. Take care.
0: You bet. Bye-bye.